Welcome to another edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live right here on Giants.com. I am John Schmelk. The man to my left is Paul Dettino, and the phone number for you is 201-939-4513 or hashtag GiantsChat on Twitter if you want to participate in the show that way you can. We want to remind you that Big Blue Kickoff Live is presented by Coors Light. Download the Coors Light Rewards app to an amazing Giants prizes throughout the season. Giants looking for their fifth win in six games since the bye week, hosting the Tennessee Titans. Paul, the Titans in the thick of the playoff race. They're tied with a bunch of teams in the AFC at 7-6 and six for the sixth wild card spot. The Giants are still alive in the NFC playoff picture. Obviously, in a ton of help. There are so many permutations. I'm not even going to go through them for you. Bottom line, the Giants have to win out. Uh, if they don't do that, they don't have a chance. So, a must-win game for them against the Titans on Sunday at 1. Yeah, four teams uh, need to be leapfrogged, and the four teams have a variety of scenarios. Seven different domino permutations have to happen for the Giants to get in. So, we're not going to pull any punches here. Uh, it's a long shot, but... The Giants need to win their three games to finish at 8-8 eight and eight, to have any chance at all. And what we can definitively tell you, if they beat the Titans on Sunday, they are at least alive for another week because nothing else can happen providing the Giants win that would eliminate them as of Monday morning. So the Giants will take on the Tennessee Titans. And Paul, uh, this is a challenging game for the Giants. The Titans are an odd team. I usually don't put a lot of credence in, into home road splits. I feel like those sometimes... Um, can be almost a product of who you're playing at as being good at home and on the road. Uh, but the Titans, much worse on the road this year. Uh, they're 5-1 and one at home. They're just 2-5 and five on the road. Yeah. Um, so they'll have to deal with that. But they do get the Giants with that Odell Beckham Jr. He was ruled out today by the team, um, which will be the second consecutive week he's not going to play. Mm-hmm. Last week, we saw the Giants' offense function without him. But it functioned for a couple of reasons. One, Saquon Barkley ripped off two really long runs. The defense scored a touchdown and gave the Giants the ball at the 10-yard line on another possession. So they really didn't have to sustain drives last week without Odell Beckham Jr. And I think it's unlikely the Titans hand the Giants those type of gifts this week. So it'll be another big challenge for this offense to try to move the ball consistently without their top weapon outside. Well, the Titans are minus four in takeaway turnover ratio. Yes, but Mark Sanchez is not their starting quarterback. He is not. (laughs) Marcus Mariota is significantly more accomplished than Mark Sanchez. But nonetheless, the Titans are still a minus four. Yep. Which, you know, if you're the Giants and you've been creating a lot of turnovers over the last month, you have to hope to continue to get that ball to bounce your way so you can get some of those. But I think what you said, John, we talked about a little bit yesterday with Lance on the program. They are a different team the Titans, at home and on the road. I haven't been able to figure it out. I don't know if they've been able to figure it out. And frankly, it's these things are such small sample sizes, Paul. It could just be coincidence, too. I don't know. Because when you look at the teams that they've played, okay, teams they've played on the road, all right, uh, Miami, Jacksonville, Los Angeles Chargers, not the Rams, the Chargers. Who are very good, by the okay. way. Dallas, also good. Indianapolis, also good. and Houston. Also good. Now, that's what I'm saying. They played all good teams on the road. They're, they're quality teams, but what do, you, what do you know about all of those teams? They're better defensively than they are offensively. I don't know about the Chargers with that. Chargers are yeah, close. Yeah, okay, but not the, the other teams. The Dolphins might be better offensively than defensively. You think so? They're, at, at worst, they're about the same both ways. And the Colts are definitely better offensively than defensively. The Colts are. I would agree with that one. Yeah, sure. 
Um, I don't know if I, I, I'm, I'm going to buy all the other ones. I think the Colt, the Chargers are close. I think the Dolphins are close. And I don't know what the numbers say, but when I look at their personnel. That's fine. To me, that. the, to me, the only one that is a landslide better offensively of those teams is the Colts. Yeah, sure. I okay. agree with that. All right, so here's my point. If they're going on the road and they're having more trouble with teams that are more defensive-oriented, okay, to me, that indicates that their offense is having trouble in unfriendly confines. That could be. I buy that. Now, could that be because they've got trouble with their passing game? Let's face it. They run 47-plus percent of the time, second most in the NFL. So they're not comfortable winging the ball 30, 35 times a game. They don't want to do that. Mariota wants to keep the ball on the ground. They want to play the way the Giants are playing right now. Okay. So, so, it's logical to assume then that they're going to want to continue to try to play that way when they come up here because when you start flinging the ball around on the road, usually bad things happen. Why? Because of momentum switches, because of crowd noise, when you can't hear audibles, when your offensive line is discombobulated because of the the road factors. Usually it's a bad recipe to be pass-reliant when you go on the road. That's about the only thread that I could come up with that makes any sense at all. Well, I'll throw another one out there. On the road, the Titans have 12 giveaways. At home, they have three. And how many of those are picks? I don't have that. Okay. I don't have that. Sorry, I don't have that one for you. But you would agree, well, right? I can tell you. I can Pass-oriented tell you, teams have more trouble on the road. I can tell you Mariota on the road this year has one, two, three, four... Five interceptions on the road. Of his eight for the season? At home, he has one, two, three. Okay. So it's not that big of a difference. So I I do think about the only logical thing that I can come up with is that a team that's going to be passing more on the road is more apt to make the mistakes that they don't want to make to win games. Well, here's another telling thing for the Giants. That's about all I got. And the Titans have played a lot better since their bye week, too, much like the Giants. Since week nine, uh, the Titans had their bye week in week eight. The Giants had theirs in week nine. They're four and two, averaging 24 points per game. They were only averaging 15 before their bye week, more than 80 yards per game, and their rushing uh, has improved a lot more, too. 37 more yards per game on the ground. So um, they're 5-0 and when they're scoring 21 or more this year and 2-6 and when scoring 20 or fewer. So I think 21 is a good magic number to try to keep them under if you're the Giants' defense in this game. I think that's very fair. And if you're the Giants and you've been scoring almost 31 points a game since the bye, and of course we do have to mention there were three pick sixes on the defensive side. And takeaways putting the Giants in good field position okay. that weren't direct touchdowns, 100%. So, you know, you got to put that in the equation but clearly this team is capable now of of scoring at least 20 points offensively based on the new configuration of the offensive line and what they've been able to do all right let's talk about the titans defense first because i think we both believe that's the stronger of their two units of course uh, and and it's really not that close the titans are just 28th in the league in terms of uh yards per game 27th in scoring offensively we'll talk about some of their players in a second but let's start the defense ninth overall fourth in scoring second in the red zone paul uh, sixth on third downs. They're good situationally. Uh, mm-hmm. They're just a good defense. And both of us watching this week separately, and we both came to the same exact conclusion when we talked, I think, on Wednesday. And they don't have that superstar. Drew close, Drew Casey, part of me, mm-hmm. is as close as you get. But even he's not on the Fletcher Cox level of defensive tackles or the Aaron Donald level of defensive tackles. He's on the next group down. 
they don't have a ton of superstars, but they have a they're a well coached unit, much like the Bears. You know when the Giants played them, you don't see free runners anywhere. You're not going to see guys getting behind them. You're not going to see mistakes. They're going to make you earn everything that you get. And their front and their pass pressure packages is going to put pressure on your offensive line. Yeah, and I'm just going to go right to Casey because John and I had this discussion, as he said. They are just fundamentally sound. They've got the fewest penalties in the league. I would swear, and I haven't seen, by the way, the stat on this. Have you been able to come up with it anywhere? What do you got? Uh, Missed tackles? No. I I swear. Those are unofficial stats. I know they are, but somebody's probably keeping them somewhere. And I would venture to guess that the Titans are among the leaders in fewest missed tackles in the league. Uh, You could be right. Because you watch the tape, John, they don't screw up. They're fundamentally sound. There's always someone around the ball carrier, and they don't give up a lot of missed tackles. Well, and that's a big reason, Paul, in terms of giving up the big play. The Titans have allowed only, let's see, they've allowed only 43 plays of 20 yards or more this year. Only four teams have allowed fewer and only six teams have allowed fewer than their 162 plays of 10 yards or more. So they're not going to give up the big play on you. And that's a symptom. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so I would make a wager that they're right up there in fewest missed tackles. But here, here's the thing about Casey that really sticks out like a sore thumb. 56 total tackles. Now, this guy's a defensive tackle, okay? He's not a linebacker. He's not. He's a defensive tackle. 56 tackles, 7 sacks, 11 tackles for a loss, and 10 quarterback hits. Okay? He's active. This dude is like on that, he's that next level. What were we saying uh, at the lunch in the lunchroom? We were saying that Donald is the best defensive tackle in football. Mm-hmm. Probably Cox, Cox is, is number probably two. Second, yeah. This guy could very easily be number three. Yeah, I think he's right in that next group with uh, Akeem Hicks and, you know, guys like that. 100%. He's really good. He's a good player. And, and let me just say one thing don't think about blocking him one on one because he will do damage to you. And as much as I love what Brown has brought to the table for the Giants this year at right tackle, a right guard, since the bye week when they got him from the Rams, this is a load for him to handle. One-on-one, this is a tough matchup because Casey gets pressure on the pocket. He's got moves. As a three-technique guy, he can do things more athletically that can give Brown problems. And he'll play 3-4 defensive end. Then in their sub package, he'll play that three-technique like you mentioned. Uh, and a lot of times what they do on third down, too, is they'll stand everybody up and they'll try to confuse you who's coming, who's well, not. that's Vrabel for you. Well, absolutely. And you know where he got that from, obviously, Bill mm-hmm. Belichick and the Patriots. Um, Romeo Cornell and all those other guys he played for over there. Um, and Brown had trouble with Fletcher Cox three weeks ago. Yeah, and, I, yeah. and, and I just talked to him and he said, look, I looked back to that Fletcher Cox tape and I wasn't happy with what I saw. And he said that to me. He goes, look, I didn't play well. I, and I let Fletcher Cox dictate to me how that game was going to go. And he indicated to me... And this will air on our pregame show on Sunday. Make sure you check it out. i got to edit that thing down. Too, oh, good. you got to give me the preview on that. I, I, will, I, will, I, will, I need it. I will send you the full file. You know, I'm a big fan of Jamon Brown. Oh, he was really good. He was really good talker, by the way. He is like, he is like the Pied Piper, that guy. Oh, man. Um, he went 13 minutes. It's crazy. Um, but he, he must said, be Italian somewhere he said in his background. He said <laughs> he wants to be more aggressive. He wants to short set Casey. He wants to get in his face and dictate to him and prove that Casey has a pass rush plan. Well, I think both of us think Casey has a pass rush plan. So oh, I yeah. think that'll be a very interesting matchup. And it could really determine how this game's go. Because Casey, he's a good pass rusher. He's even better run defender. And he could really 
gunk up the gears in what has become a very consistent Giants rushing attack. The one thing that, that Brown needs to work on, and it's interesting that he told you he wants to attack quicker off the snap because— yeah, He doesn't like the backpedal, he said. I've, I've seen him get bull rushed. Fletcher Cox did that to him, as a matter of fact. He bull rushed him, and, and that was a problem. And I also see guys do a quick slice move with a quick move to the inside into the A-gap. And, and when they slice inside like that quickly, when they get off the snap with a, with a quick jump, I notice Brown sometimes is a little bit too slow to react on that. So I think that's good that he told you he wants to attack and be quicker because that's the way he can fix that. The bull rush, you just got to be able to get your leverage and use your power to prevent it. But, but in terms of that slice into the A-gap, that's what he's got to do. I'm glad he told you that. That's good. So if you want more of that, you can go check out the interview on Giants.com. So, I mean, rather on uh, our, our pregame show on Sunday, which, of course, is 1130 on WFAM. Make sure you check it out. Uh, we'll play that back. He was really, really good. It was a lot of fun. He kind of got into the offense in depth. Otherwise, Paul, on their defense, real quickly, their secondary, a um, couple veterans, Logan Ryan and Malcolm Butler, not spectacular, but they know what they're doing. Um, good, solid cornerbacks. Ryan's their slot guy. I think Adoree Jackson's their best cornerback. He's, a, he's their first-round pick from last year. One of the fastest players in the whole NFL. Not the biggest guy in the world. But, boy, he is speed. If you go back, remember that big Lamar Miller run? that mm-hmm. He had that long one, and you see Dory Jackson look like he's running a billion miles an yes. hour trying to catch him from behind. It was funny. Yeah, really funny. Well, he's fast. So I think, <laughs> I think he's their best corner. They have two good safeties in uh, Bayard and Kenny Vaccaro. That also know what they're doing. They kind of rotate up and down. I think Bayard's better in the in the back half as a single high mm-hmm. than Vaccaro is. Um, but they have guys that know what they're doing back there. They're solid. They'll play some man. They'll play some zone. Without Beckham out, I would imagine if I was Mike Vrabel and going from the Bill Belichick school of take away your opponent's strength and make them beat you with their weakness, I'm putting eight men at the box, and I'm daring the Giants to beat my guys man-on-man in the back end with Odell Beckham Jr. not on the field. And That's what I would do. Vercaro has always been a physical safety who hits a lot of people, and you know you know that that's where he's going to be because they got to shut down Barkley. I'm with you a thousand percent. I'm sure that's what they'll do. And that also means, though, that the Giants are going to be challenged to win those one-on-one matchups. And who's best to do it? Well, I truly believe, and and I'm going to tip my hand here before you write your fact fiction. I already, I already have it done, and I think I know who you're going to pick, and I already have him as one of the choices. So well, that, okay. Evan Ingram's the guy, and he's in there. No, he's the guy. Yep. There's the. Let me tell you something, folks. That's the one-on-one matchup where the Giants should be able to exploit the best. Now, Butler's given up six touchdown passes this year. Jackson's given up four. And by the way, Butler doesn't okay. have great speed. He can be beaten over the top. There's no doubt. Mm-hmm. There's no doubt about that. Uh, but it just seems to me that they feel comfortable enough with their guys on the outside that they'll play those guys one-on-one. But that means if Vaccaro's going to cheat in against uh, Barkley, which we think he will do, I mean, they'd be foolish not to. How can you, how can you not? It would be, the way the guys Giants, got four straight 100-yard games. The Giants have basically averaged six or seven yards a carry the last four games. I don't know why you wouldn't. Right, you have to. You have to. Okay, so if you're going to do that, well— that basically means either they're going to have to bring in a sub-package uh, uh, DB to deal with Ingram, and he should be able to, with his physicality, win that matchup, or they're going to wind up sticking a linebacker on him. Well, you could put Vicaro in the box and put him over Ingram. So if they pass it, then he's responsible for covering him one-on-one. Yeah, but see, I, I, I think— Well, I like that matchup. I think Ingram could beat Vicaro off the line. Yeah, I, but that's my point. Yeah, I, I think no matter how they go— I think Ingram is is got the plus on his side. I'm 100% with you. So if I'm the Giants, 
I'm making sure that Ingram's a heavy part of the game plan this week because I just, I just, I just don't think the Titans have a matchup answer for him. All right, let's go to the offensive side for the Titans very quickly. My big worry here, Paul, and a lot of people are freaking out about Derrick Henry because he had 238 yards last week, and that's fine. You watch him on tape, um, straight-ahead power back. I think for a guy his size, he does way too much dancing, trying to pop it outside and change the direction. I think if he was a much more direct runner, I think he'd be a better runner. Um, I don't think he does it enough. Deion Lewis and him, believe it or not, have the exact same number of carries this year. So when they say they split the carries, they split the carries. He also has about 30 <laughs> catches. How about this little nugget on Deion Lewis? Guess how many times he's been targeted on passes down the field of 10 or more yards? Oh, I, I haven't even thought of that. Zero. No kidding. So he is a almost a only a check down. Well, he's sc- always been a flat guy. Screen guy this year. Mm. Flat pass. So that's I what meant. he is. So he's yeah. not going to do the Tariq Cohen wheel routes that we saw two weeks ago from the Bears where he's going down the field. He's much of a around the line of scrimmage type of guy. Um, but that's what they did with the Patriots. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's what he did there too. Sure. Um, the thing that worries me about the Titans offense is Mariota's ability to run. He's mm-hmm. actually not a great thrower on the move. I don't think at least. I haven't seen a lot of plays this year where he's thrown the ball well running. I'd agree with that. Um, but he can run, man. And he's really athletic. He's fast. He can break that pocket. Uh, he knows how to find the holes if your pass rush breaks down and leaves lanes open. Now he will hold the ball, too, and that's why I think he's been sacked 39 times Well, the team's given up over 40. And I think he's been sacked 39 because he missed about a game and a half with that nerve issue in his yes, throwing Yes, it is arm. 39. Um, so he holds the ball, but... He can run, too. So the Giants are going to be pretty disciplined in how they rush the passer. Well, he's, he's got very good vision when he runs. All right? There are some guys who will get reckless. They'll feel the pressure, and they'll just run wildly away from whoever is chasing them. Not Mariota. When he tucks the ball down, John, you watch. He's very specific about what he's trying to do with the ball. That's why, you know, I mean, what is, what is his, his total number? It's only uh, a little over 330 yards for the season, which is not one of the leading quarterback rushers in the league. 11 off of his. I can tell you exactly what it is if you want to know. He's sixth among NFL quarterbacks in rushing yards. Six, this year. yeah. Six, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I thought he was like top eight, maybe yeah, eighth. Close. But six, close enough. He's, he's not, not up near the top. He's a little bit down further. But he's an effective runner. And that's the point. He's smart when he runs the ball, and he knows where the sticks are. He gets first downs with his feet. He's not just out there running wildly. So uh, I do think that, that, you know, certainly you need to be very careful of his feet. But I want to go back to what uh, you said about Henry for a minute. Yeah. I talked to Dalvin Tomlinson, who played with him at Alabama. All right. They were teammates with the Crimson Tide. And so I went to Dalvin and I said, look, I got to get the scouting report on this guy. Because from what I see, he's got a tremendous stiff arm. Obviously, he's strong. Obviously, he's got size. But I've also seen a ton of teams contain him. Uh huh. So... Dalvin, tell, tell me tell me about this guy when you were at Bama. What what what's what's it about him? He said, "Well, he's two hundred fifty pounds." Okay, so first things first, he's basically Brandon Jacobs size. Yeah, but he's a Kmart version of Brandon Jacobs because Brandon Jacobs put up a couple thousand yard seasons. Derrick Henry just compared him size wise. Oh, size wise, yes, yes, but he's not the same player. That's for sure. It doesn't have the same fire at all. But he said to me, he goes, "Here's the thing. Because of his size." he probably does have the best stiff arm in football. So what you need to make sure is that you don't give him the chance to attack you when he's coming at you. Don't tackle him high, folks. Don't tackle him high and make sure that you're the one who delivers the blow because if he delivers the blow with your stiff arm, it's very tough to deal with. The stiff arm is brutal. The other thing he said was, if you give him the opportunity to get to the second level, 
he has quicker acceleration in the second level than you think he does. And he said, look at that 99-yard run that he had the other day. People weren't closing on him. He was able to, to get to the end zone fully on that 99-yard run without a sprinter necessarily tracking him down. He doesn't, and I said to, I said to Dalvin, when he gets to the line, it doesn't look like he's hitting it real fast or he's not accelerating real fast. He goes, no, that's not where his speed is. His deceptive speed comes after. When he's in the open field. That's, that's where 100%. he gets quicker. And so you have to keep in mind that bottle him up in that first seven in the box. That's where you got to get him because once he gets going and then he gets to that second and third level, he becomes more dangerous. 201-939-4513. Paul, one thing on Mariota real quick before we get to your calls, and I see you guys up there and we'll get to you in just a second. I'm very torn on him. I don't know what to think of him as a passer because he'll throw some passes and he puts this great arc on his deep balls. He puts great touch on him. They drop in the bucket and you're like, wow, that is a a great touch throw. Then other times you watch him, you're like, boy, I'm not sure if he sees the field that well and sometimes he's inaccurate on some of his passes to the outside, uh, outside the numbers on some of those deeper out routes. I'm not sure what to think about him as a passer yet. I'm kind of on the fence with him. To me, Mariota is probably in the Upper half of the lower fifty percent of quarterbacks. I have him. I have him in the Dak Prescott category. I think they're kind of similar. Probably somewhere around twenty, in my opinion. Yeah, I think that's about right. You know, but how much better do you think he can get? It's only his fourth year. That's the question because it looks like he has he has the arm strength, he has the mobility. Uh, by all means, he's a great kid. He's a good leader. He has all the intangibles. So. I'm not quite sure what's missing with him and if he's able to take that next step that he needs. I would, I'm not sure. I would like to say my belief is he is what he is right now, and I don't think he's going to get a whole lot better. However, I say that with a little asterisk because the offensive line has not done a good job for him this year. It is not, which is odd because it's the same guys coming back from last year. Though Conklin is now out with uh, yes. their right tackle. Yes. Dennis it's, Kelly should start for him, right, if yes, I'm not mistaken? Yes, correct. Yeah. They, well, Kelly's a seven-year vet, yep. though, and he's played all along the line, sure. so it's not like he's new. Um, and we all know, when we've talked about this five zillion times, when your offensive line isn't right, it really affects the quarterback. It handicaps the quarterback. So I don't think it's fair for me to say concretely that Mariota can't get better because he's playing behind a very suspect line this year. So if I say that, then I'm being a hypocrite because we all know it starts with the line. Let's see next year when that line shows more of what they're capable of, when they're healthy and they're playing well, if he can accelerate his development. I'm not sure that he can, but I can't close the door on that because that would make me a hypocrite. Okay, so you're still an on the on the fence guy. Too, kind of, which yeah, is fine. In his last of. six games, by the way, 72% completion percentage, 217 yards per game, eight touchdowns, three picks. So he's playing his best ball and he'll have a chance to do it on the road in what could be a bad weather game at MetLife Stadium on Sunday. It might be nasty out, is what my understanding is. What? Is that correct? No, is that wrong? don't say that. that. That's what somebody told me. I didn't look at the weather myself. Dan, do you know if that's true? As, nasty, as, right? of, as of last night, they said Saturday was going to be really nasty. See, now that's what I thought. But and then somebody Sunday, told me Sunday was bad too. Sunday was supposed to be some rain in the morning and then clearing up. I thought. Well, let me see. Oh, look no. No, no, no. I don't know. I think bad weather might actually help the Giants a little bit in this game. You do? You. Um, I'm not see. so sure. What do you got? Come on. Give I'm me looking. something good news. I'm looking. By the way, folks, it's in the 40s. It's been really nice. Uh, it might even be up to 50 today. 
the the weather has been terrific. Yes, I don't want it to rain tomorrow. I got to put my Christmas lights up tomorrow. So okay, I hope that what do you got? Happen. Um, daytime, forty degrees, sixty-five percent chance of precipitation, a quarter of an inch of rain over the course of the day. I do not have the hourly. They don't have. They, do they have an hourly? I don't think the hourly goes that far in advance, but I can see if I can. Find in any event. Here. Um, you know, the bottom line, if you're the Giants, uh, this is a team that you have to approach in some ways, much like the Chicago Bears, because the Titans play fundamentally sound football. They want you to beat yourselves instead of them necessarily beating you. And that's just the way they play it. They're going to be ultra conservative on both sides of the ball. And they just want to outlast you and survive in advance. I got that's the, what they do. They have the rain ending at around three o'clock right now. Oh boy! So that's right on the right on the cusp. They have rain between ten and two. Okay. So, all right. Take anyway, that whatever you will. So you know, uh, see to me, um, I don't know. I, I if if Beckham was playing, I'd be more concerned about the rain. You would. Yeah, because you don't want to throw in the rain, and if Beckham's there, you're gonna want to throw the ball to him, right? That's true. I mean, I see. To me, whatever. See, Both teams are playing in the weather. Yeah, it's but, not going to make. But a you know what? It is, you, know, you know what it is for me. I don't. I don't know how many times the Titans have played in bad weather. I just know that their game is reliant upon not making mistakes. If there's a lot of rain and a lot of slipperiness going on, and the ball's wet, the ball's cold, and the ball's hard, and it's and it's squirting around. You know what? That enhances the chances that the Titans will make mistakes, well, which same, is out of their character. Well, same for the Giants, though, too, right? I mean, they've they've protected the football well the last they five have. games. That's one of the reasons they've they been won. really good at it. Anyway, eh, like I said, both teams got to deal with. It. Anyway, two zero one nine three nine four five one three. Want to remind you that Big Blue Kickoff Live is presented by Coors Light. Download the Coors Light Rewards app to an amazing Giants prizes throughout the season. Let's go to uh, Jeff and Rhode Island, line four, Mister Salmon. We'll start with him. What's up, Jeff? Hey guys, how you doing today? How are you, pal? Hi. That's good. I'm glad to hear that. I uh, I got a question for you, then I got a comment. Sure. Um, uh, this game Sunday is going to be on CBS, and uh, I was just uh, wondering how they uh, determine who gets uh, what feed for the game. Well, traditionally, my... Jeff, traditionally, when the AFC team plays the NFC team, if the game yep. is at the AFC's build in the NFC in the AFC team's building. Fox will take the game. If it's in the NFC team's building, CBS will take the game. However, the last couple of years, as Paul has lamented, they've started to flex these games from one network to the other. So that's not always the case, but usually it's the case. The games get flexed because of market equality. What happens is because of the breakdown in a particular week of NFC and AFC games and what markets are getting what games – they get market inequality where all of a sudden in a particular week, one of the networks has like three of the top four markets. Right. And so they basically complained to the league and said, you know, there are some weeks during the course of the season where we're just going to get absolutely crippled with the ratings. And that's not good because then we got to tell our advertisers right. that we just got some bad games. Right. So the league said, all right, this is what we're going to do. We're going to go through the schedule. We're going to go through the markets that each game is going to each week. And we're going to try to balance it out a little bit. And we'll flex some games across network lines well, and, and to it, even it out. And it makes sense because you want as much of the country to get as many good games as possible. So it makes sense for everybody. The only thing I don't like about it, and, and I know we shouldn't talk about fellow announcers in this business, but you know, if the, if the one conference is usually with the one network – Chances are you're going to get more familiar announcers who have seen your team two, three, four, That's five true. times during the season, and you're more comfortable with them because they know the storylines better. 
You know, when a CBS crew comes and does a Giants game, the, the chances are it's the only time they've yeah. seen them all season. The only thing with me is that I like the top units for, for both networks. I think Joe Buck and Aikman do a good job. I think Burkhardt and Charles Davis do a good job. And I think Kenny Albert does a good job. So I'll take any one of those three teams from Fox. It'll work. Uh, Romo and Nance are fine. Uh, I like Iron Eagle a lot. I think he does a good job. So it doesn't make as big of a difference to me because the Giants, because of their market, usually get one of the top three teams from either one of the two networks anyway. So, Okay. Okay. I, you know, I get all that, but it doesn't seem to me like there's a ton of Vikings fans in uh, you know, the Boston area, and they're going to have the Vikings and the Dolphins on. It's like, who cares? <laughs> okay. Well, you know what, <laughs> I mean, though? You know, I'll, well, I'll be... I'll yeah. be listening to the game on you know on the fan on the computer, so I'll you know I'll get all that. But uh, you yeah, know you know what though, about, just to uh, clarify, uh, go, go ahead, go ahead, it's fine. Yeah, okay, I'm sorry, and uh, yeah, it's like uh, to me, I, I've been watching him the way he uses his hands when he's engaging the uh, offensive lineman, and it seems he's got a real nice bend to him when he's coming around the edge too. So, uh, what do you what do you think about him as uh, as coming as a developmental player that he actually is, but. I think How do you think, think he's coming along? Yeah, Jeff, I think things like hand usage are the things he has to work on. Um, he has the natural athleticism and the bend uh, to become a good yeah. edge rusher, but I think those are the type of fundamental technique things that he needs to get better at if he wants to be a more consistent pass rusher. Okay, well, we'll look for him to come along then. So, uh, yeah, I'm hoping the Giants win Sunday as always. But uh, thanks for your time, guys. Have a good day, okay? Hey, you too. Appreciate the call. I was only going to say to him, uh, the Vikings and Dolphins are both still very much in their respective conference playoff pictures. Correct. And that probably had something to do with the station up there wanting the game. Joe in Pennsylvania is up next. Hey, Joe, how are you? Uh, you can tell that caller I'm getting it here in uh, central Pennsylvania, too. <laughs> so I'll have to, whatever, you know what I mean? Uh, I'm in, uh, I get a Scranton station, CBS, I'm in central and, like, uh, all, like, Yankee games and New York games, I'm in their area, I get blacked out. You know what I mean? Normally, oh, wow. uh, when they bring it, now I'm getting corked on this one. But, I mean, I, I can pick it up or go to a sports bar. I'll see it, no problem. Um, their quarterback, is he the smallest quarterback going? Um, Mariota? Yeah. No, no, Mariota, he's, you know, he looks very thin. Um, yeah, but he's that. But he's not small. Mariota is let's see, let me get his height and weight here. He's six four, two twenty two. So is he, he not yeah, I'm saying when you see him on camera, he doesn't look like the biggest guy, but he actually is six four. So he he yeah. he uh, he checks the boxes in terms of size I at the position. Th- think of yeah, the I- starters in the league, Drew Brees is the shortest. Uh, he's right. uh, he, it's him, Russell Wilson, and frankly, Wilson's right um, there, and and the kid from the Browns, obviously, yeah, too, May- Mayfield. Yeah. Mayfield. I, yeah. I, I think their team, uh, Tennessee, reminds me a lot of Houston with good defense and the way their quarterback was mobile and stuff like that. So yeah, a little I bit. Think they, it, to me, that's the way it is. Now you were talking, especially Paul, and that you know no with DeAndre Beckham Hopkins. in. Beckham out, you know, different matchups and that. And our receiver, you, you were saying uh, Ingram, he's going to be a great matchup there. Who's the, uh, the the guy that runs back the kickoffs for us? He's he's is he Coleman. the fastest receiver we have too? You know, I know he ain't received, but is he as fast as Ingram four three? I would think that Coleman is probably, and I don't know this because they haven't timed these guys since uh, the, the early spring. And well, the even combine, in the spring, really. they, they, they do their own timings here. On the 40s? 
Uh, yeah, I'm well, pretty, I'm, I'm pretty just sure wondering if he's the fastest or so, if he was just well, as fast Beckham's as the fastest. That, you know what I mean? To yeah. bring him in for a play or so, if they're playing man-to-man, that, well, you know what I mean? If Coleman I, beat the Redskins on a go-route the other day. Too deep. Two, actually, and he should have caught a second one if he yeah. caught that diving one. Yeah, look, like, he's, he's fast. He's probably the second fastest wide receiver after Beckham. I so. would believe that. I, I, yeah, I think so. Well, 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 I says, if I'm the coach or so, if they're playing this tight man-to-man in that, I would bring him in for a play or two. To, he'd be worth it to. Well, you know he'll get I mean? in. If I can get him isolated and get him the ball, sure. if he can catch it he'll and play. take off. Remember, the Giants had completions to eight different targets in the game against Washington. Sterling Shepard, Russell Shepard, and Benny Fowler each caught a touchdown pass. They're going to spread it around. I don't think there's any question. And Pat right, Shermer right, likes it that right. way, too. And we have the other uh, receiver coming back this week here, too. Who do you think will be starting with Shepard? I don't think it matters, um, it honestly, Joe, and we appreciate the call. Thanks a lot. I'm not hey, sure. can I ask you one other thing? Uh, our tight end, is he in this week or Ellison's not? I in. Heard rumors he might be out. He's well, in. Yeah, Ellison missed practice on Wednesday, but he's practiced in full, I think, right? The last They couple said he of was days? limited yesterday. Limited yesterday, full today? Uh, he, well, he said he was definitely playing. Okay. Let's put it that way. Yeah, he's whatever, in, Joe. Whatever the I, listing I was. I see rumors he was out, so I, I, I'm hoping on that. Okay, I know he's got to move on. Thank, Thank you, Joe. I have a million others, but I'll catch you another time. Bye. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you, Joe. Um, and look, Ellison's actually important because yeah, you know, he's, straight he he's been such an important part of their blocking here since they, they've started running the ball in the second half. So, mm-hmm. and so is Scott Simonson. Don't everyone? No one talks about that guy, but he's done a real nice job. He he had the key block on the untouched Barkley eighty-yard touchdown run. By the way, Simonson for me has been better as a blocker the last couple of weeks than he was when he was a receiver earlier in the season. I didn't I didn't like his production so much as a receiver. I think they finally found a way to use him a little bit more. Yeah, and he's in commi- the right way. And he's committed some penalties, which he has to clean up. Mm-hmm. But he, when he's blocked, he's 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 done a pretty good job. And back to his question about who's starting a wide receiver, it doesn't really matter. No, um, they're going to rotate all three of those guys in and out. I'm not going to say they're going to split the snaps evenly, but it'll probably be close with their second and third wide receivers. Um, it might come down to situations. Yeah, John. that too. Absolutely. Like I, I think they probably trust Russell Shepard as a and Fowler as a blocker. More than they trust Coleman. Coleman's sure. more of a speed guy. Or in the red zone. Yeah. I would, I would think that those other two guys in the red zone are better options. 100%. Because, you know, Coleman has the dropsies a little bit now. Remember that. Well, he also doesn't have the size. Correct. The, the other two guys seem to have better length. And they can they get a little more physical downfield. 201-939-4513. Let's go to Scott in New Mexico. What's up, Scotty? Hi, guys. How are you doing today? Hi. Doing great. Uh... I was looking at the most direct path for the Giants to get into the playoffs, and it's really not as far-fetched as you would think. Yes, it is. Uh, well, uh, <laughs> the way I'm looking in this permutation, uh, the Vikings, Eagles, Panthers, and Redskins have to lose two of their last yeah, final. Scott, Scott, re- Scott, we aren't going through each team's schedule. We're not doing it, so, so, so don't do it. Okay. I'll make it um, simple for you. The Giants win Sunday. They're still alive. And, and that's all you really need to care about. And, Go one more week. Well, and you got to win three, Scott, and that's going to be really tough. The Giants are playing three potential playoff teams in a row. Asking them to win all three is a tall task. Right, but the way the Giants are playing right now, John. They have uh, a chance. They're playing they've really four, very they, good but Scott, football. Scott, hold on. I, you know, I'm not taking away what they've done. They've been four sure. backup quarterbacks, and they've gotten 12 takeaways in five games. All right? Those are things that are not really repeatable over a long period of time. So I'm not taking away what they've done, but let's see them do it against some better competition before you start saying they're playing like a playoff team. 
Well, they've also run the ball for 150-plus yards a game Absolutely. against some decent defenses. 100%, and that's the one thing that should be sustainable. I agree it with that 100%. Be. And that gives you a chance. And that absolutely gives you a chance. But it's still very difficult to win three straight games against three playoff teams. Not no, not easy, I, I but doable. On that, I'm not but saying it's uh, impossible. I, right. Uh, uh, the, it's, it's, it's not impossible is, is really what I'm getting at. And okay. I, I think... Uh, it is, you know, not necessarily going to happen. So if it doesn't, do you think uh, Dave Gettleman uh, will regret some of the moves he made in the beginning of this season, uh, or will he think this is all part of the maturation process as they go into the following year? It's all part of building the house. They had to go right. through all of these trials and tribulations to get where they are so that they can take another step forward during the offseason into 2019. I mean, the arrow is so much better or, or pointed in a better direction now than it was this time last year. Mm-hmm. You'd have to be blind not to see that. Of course. And that's ultimately what Dave Gettleman was brought here to do. Turn the ship around and get the Giants in the right direction and hopefully get them even higher than that before he decides whenever it is that he wants to stop and retire. Because uh, I don't think he'll get another job after this. I think this will be his last football job, Scott, right? Yes, uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I would think so. Okay. Sure. Scott, just, just know one other thing. Just know know one other thing. Again, the Giants are in a position where if they win Sunday, they are still alive. They cannot be eliminated if they win the game on Sunday. That's all you need to worry about. Take it game by game. And, Scott, feel free. If you want to call back next week with only two games left on the schedule and talk about scenarios, we can do that. With three weeks to go, it's just a little bit too convoluted to do that now. Okay. Appreciate it, guys. Thanks. Thank you, Scott. Take care. I just want to start listing schedules. (laughs) <laughs> no, no, it gets it gets really uh, busy and and convoluted and complex and messy. I told my father. My father asked me about it. It's too soon. And I said, Dad, too soon. Here's the best way to describe it. Okay, the Giants now have a lottery ticket in their hands, which means they have a chance to win the lottery. Sure. Now, had they not gone on this run, they wouldn't even be outside the front door of the delicatessen to get the lottery that ticket. Is, that is correct. But now they have the lottery ticket. And we'll see what happens. And again, folks, my, my goal here is to not discount what's happened the last five games. The Giants deserve all the credit in the world. They beat a playoff team in the Bears who are going to probably win double-digit games this year, and they're a good football team. Um, but, again, I want to see it get sustained here. And you don't want to count your chickens before they hatch. And as just as easily, we've seen team goes through good stretches. We've seen them go through bad stretches. And this will be a different type of challenge this week against the Titans based on what we saw last week. 201-939-4513. And to me, that Bears win was the one that is the most impressive from the second half of the year. And it's not close. That's the one where you, I look at it and say, you know what? That one made me raise the eyebrows a little bit. And I'm like, hmm. You know, you beat Nick Mullins. Okay. You know, Brian Fitzpatrick throws the ball to you a billion times. Okay. But beat the Bears? That's a nice, nice win. That's a nice, nice, nice win. It is. Um, and I know Chase Daniel. I get it. But they weren't winning because of their quarterback position. No, they were not. And the Giants beat the Bears, and the Bears they are did. a good team. They did. Uh, on the Giants' home field. Last week, even though it was too. Mark Sanchez, they went into Washington with the Redskins still smelling a potential division title, albeit with Mark Sanchez. But they're home. They're right in the mix for the NFC East. They've got what is a pretty respectable defense, sure. certainly a, a good front, and the Giants dominated them in every way possible in all three phases of the game outside of a missed extra point. 
That's pretty impressive to me. Despite Mark Sanchez being quarterback, they dominated in every way possible. Can I can I make one point to refute that a little bit? Sure. Because I looked at the numbers afterwards. They dominated for one quarter on one possession. Yeah. The, the, the Giants in the first— But you know how it is. Games, games no, then have to be played according to the situation. But it's not like the offense marched up and down the field. They didn't million. have to. But that, that's my point. They didn't have to. Oh, okay. I see what you mean. That's what I mean. The I offense see what you mean. didn't. The offense didn't have to have 500 yards of offense. They were I fine getting. I, 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 I you understand. know what I mean. I understand. And that's the point I'm making. They dominated the game, but your your uh, your case to be made is that they didn't necessarily have to do all the things they might need to do this week. I think that's a perfect way of putting it. Okay. Fair. Fair. Two zero one nine three nine four five one three. Let's go to Marco in Connecticut. He's up next. Hi, Marco. Hey, guys. How are you? Doing Hi. great, Marco. What's up? Um, so I called about Alec Ogletree. I want to get into something with that. Sure. Um, really impressed with his play lately. A uh, couple things just about this last – or, you know, these last three games coming up. I'm not going to look past Tennessee, uh, but I will just say that I'm so excited that after one in seven that we're approaching Christmas and at least we have – real interest in the games and they mean something and it's it's i i never thought it was going to happen at one and seven hundred percent right no question about it yeah so that's great um i am curious with both of you like not looking at scenarios i'm wondering besides the giants game is there let's say the giants do win this weekend is there maybe one other game that you're going to have your your eyes on that you're interested in? Minnesota. That's Minnesota is the team that okay. can most easily derail the Giants' playoff hopes. Um, okay. Again, we'll see about the Eagles now because Carson Wentz with just a fracture in his back. You can actually play through that if you want. You can. <laughs> Tony Romo did it. You can do it. It's actually better than a disc injury. So um, the Redskins. Oh, the, the, the Redskins. I'm not taking seriously. Sorry, I'm just not. Um, so I think the to me the Vikings are the team that is the biggest danger to the Giants making the. Playoffs. That makes a lot of okay. sense. Okay, um, and then I, I just think man, in the off season we're going to be thinking about two plays, and it's Graham Gano's kick, and mm-hmm. then it's the it's the interception against the Eagles before the half that are just two killers that uh, we're going to be. Well, let's see what happens. Marco, I want to I I throw one other one out there, too, that people forget. Matt sure. Bryan's 53-yard field goal at the end of the game against the and, Falcons. Yeah, and Atlanta, which made it a two-score game. Made it a two-score game. If he misses that kick. Eli's going down the and Giants scoring a touchdown. Have, well, I don't know if that's going to happen. I do. But they're going to. Of course you do. Of course I do. The Giants <laughs> would have gotten the ball at around your hilarious. The Giants would have gotten the ball at midfield with a minute and change yes. remaining with yes. the touch yeah. with a touchdown needed to win the game. And that's a very doable situation too. So that's another one I'll throw into the mix. And, and that was a bad decision by Coach Quinn. Oh, it was, uh, it he should have punted the ball. Or go for it. Take your pick. Fine. Either one of them would have been better than kicking uh, the field yeah, goal. Yeah, the field goal was choice C and by far the dumbest one of all. Correct. And when he made it, I was like, you've got to be kidding me. But not surprised but, given how the first oh, six course. cases of the year. Of course, he could have made it from 80 yards out. <laughs> Man. You remember Super Toe? Uh, Do you remember that game, Super Toe, when you were a kid? The little plastic kicker? 
You'd bop him on the head, and he would kick the field goal through the plastic uprights. <laughs> I don't think Marco was around. In Marco, the 40, you never had so. super toe when you were a kid. Dude, the, the super no, uh, John, toe, uh, John. I'm, you and I are the same age. John, yes. So no, I don't remember what he. All right. About. No, well, of course not. Well, so I, I had super toe, and in my basement, <laughs> I would always try to kick the forty, the fifty, and the sixty-yard field goal. Super and of course, toe. super toe. You know, he was made out of plastic, <laughs> so he didn't necessarily have the greatest leg in the world. But I get the impression that these NFL kickers today, they could make it from 80 if they want to, especially if the Giants are on the other side. Are you sure you didn't get, like, some lead poisoning from Super Toe and that's why you have some of these issues you have today? Eventually, eventually, I used to pound Super Toe's head so hard to try to kick the 60-yard field goal that I broke him. (laughs) Paul, Paul, I was playing. That's funny. I was playing Tech Mobile, and I was uh, just Lawrence Taylor blitzing on every play. There you go. That's about as far back as I go. Hey, um... Okay, Ogletree. Yes. He, I mean, the the defensive scores that he's had and the the interceptions has been really impressive. But yes, um, five picks, five picks for Ogletree in the year. He was criticized a lot. Um, You know, the the, the Giants were criticized a lot for what they the amount that they brought him in at. um, Considering what people thought, what kind of caliber of player he was. Okay. I so I I think. He is a solid middle linebacker, and I think he um, a good player at the time. I think he's ascending into like what I think like he could be an Antonio Pierce type player. Uh, I think he's he, personally. I think he's taking that kind of leap. And I was wondering earlier in the year, was it because his um, was it because he was still getting adjusted to Betcher's defense, or is it because in the four three maybe? He had to compensate a little bit playing next to players like Ray Ray, Armstrong, Tay Davis, where maybe he had to make up a little more ground that we even know. You, there, you, okay. think anything, you think there's anything to that? I'm gonna t- I'm not gonna give you my opinion because it's not worth anything compared to Hall of Famer Harry Carson. He and I had this very conversation yesterday, and we spent about fifteen minutes on it. And Harry oh. Harry told me flat out. He sees tremendous improvement in Ogletree and believes that it was a very long and extensive adjustment period that took half a season for him to finally get everything right. Whether it was the scheme or the guys he was playing with, he believes now that we're seeing the real Alec Ogletree and that it was it was all of the the other stuff that he had to get used to, that he had to deprogram from the Rams days, that he had to get used to Betcher, that he's got, you know, now let's face it, Olivier Vernon's playing next to him now. Remember, Vernon Vernon missed a lot yeah. of the, the early part of the season because of that sprained ankle. Yeah, see. So Harry's telling me this is more of what Ogletree is supposed to be. I'm going to counter a little bit. I need to see if the last two weeks of Alec Ogletree is an aberration or if it's real Alec Ogletree. Guys have a couple good games, and then they go back into what they usually do. So I need to see what he's capable of. I mean, it's odd to me that a guy goes from playing not so well in Week 12 against the Eagles then becomes a superstar the week later against the Bears. Um, I think the one thing I'm impressed with him, I feel like he does a lot of work during the week, and some of these interceptions near the line of scrimmage have to do with him anticipating what quarterbacks are trying to do with the football. And I give him credit for that. But again, you're also going against Chase Daniel and Mark Sanchez, which is a difference than going against a better quarterback. So all factors that must be considered. And so I'm in I'm in wait and see mode with him, Marco. But but, but let's let's also take into account Pat Shermer has said that the last two games in particular, which have been Ogletree's best games, sure. right? Also were the two best games Olivier Vernon has played. 
And he's part 100%. of that linebacker. He's part of that linebacking unit. And one interception last week, by the way, the ball got tipped right to him. So I'm not going to give him too understood. Much for that. Well, right. well, forget about the right. the, the fact no, is he's being productive. Absolutely. And no I don't question. think there's I don't think there's any doubt that Lorenzo Carter is a better player now than he was week one, week two oh, when abs- he didn't know very much. Absolutely. So uh, all right, I'm I'm going to get off of this. I just thought of this because it, it, it led me to Ogletree. John, did you share earlier about Mariota and what is the percentage of time that he? scrambles on third down did, did you share that because i'm i think that's what the game is going to come down to in a big third down um how can we contain the running quarterback to stay in the box and get them off the field yeah i don't i don't have I'll, a I'll, I'll, thank you marco i appreciate the call i don't have i don't have a percentage for you i can tell you he's has a career high 61 carries uh career high 5.1 carries per game sixth among nfl quarterbacks in rushing yards 11 off his career high um, and he's, he's, just, he's just good at it. I don't have percentages for you. I, I gave a number yesterday, which may be what you're referring to. Uh, he has scrambled 18 times on third down and converted the first down on 14 of those 18 scrambles. Is that true? Yes, it's very true. That's it's 80, 84%. A, that's a big number. 84% of his third down scrambles have wow. moved the chains. That's impressive. Which is why he is so incredibly dangerous in that particular situation. He's a smart runner. Okay, he's not just a scrambler who's running around to buy time or running around like a maniac just because he's trying to get away. He's a smart runner. That's what makes him dangerous. That's a, that's a really good number. I like that one, Paul. All right, we're going to take one more call. We're going to take Lennon Maryland. We'll take him for five minutes. And, Paul, I have some numbers for you and uh, situations and stuff that I pro football focus grabbed for me that I yeah, think you mentioned that the other day of heavy interest to you. So I want to get into that the last five minutes, so stay tuned, folks. For the end of the show, there'll be some good numbers there talking about how the Giants' offense has kind of fixed itself. But I want to do a bunch of the Titans stuff first because that's the game on Sunday. Uh, Len Maryland, wrap us up today, Len. What's up? Hey, Len. Hey, guys. How you doing? What's Great. Up, how man? are you? Five, man, five minutes. You're putting the pressure on don't, me, John. Don't, you don't have to take it all, Len. You don't have to take it all now. I know hey, you listen, will, Paul, but you don't have hey, to. Hey, Paul. Yeah. Somewhere, somewhere in the basement of my house... Or in my garage, there's a box where my toy Super Toe is. I just tweeted out the picture it, of Super Toe, by the way. Me, it'll probably take me three days to find it. But, but Len, you, and is it working? <laughs> I'm sorry? Is it working, or did you break it? Oh, geez, I don't know. I think it's probably not in working order, but I, I saved it. It's out there. You or know, down there. The, one shame, of the, two the shame of Super hey, listen, Toe, the shame uh, of Super Toe is that I know this was pre-concussion days, but remember, <laughs> to kick the ball, you had to smack him on top of the head. Yeah. Could, could you imagine them marketing a toy like that today with the information we have about concussions? That's not a good thing. I don't think Super Toe can get concussed. Uh, well, I concussed him. I broke him. Great memory. Great memory. Hey, listen. Um, if you win three in a row, any time during the season in the NFL, you're playing well during during that period of time, and more likely than not, you're you're in the you're in the race for the playoffs. If you can win three in a row, sometime in the season, more likely than not, you got a shot at the playoffs. Hey, hey listen, um, quick rant. I only do this once a year, but I'm I'm going to say it. Again, for you, first time this year during the season. Um, tripping penalties and horse collars should be game misconduct penalties. I'm convinced of it. They are both dangerous, dangerous penalties. Well, remember, Lynn, there's a difference between a leg whip penalty mm-hmm. and a tripping penalty, Correct. too. I, I think leg whip, I'm with you. Uh, okay. Tripping, maybe not so much. Okay. Well, what do you think about the horse collar? 
I, th- I think the same thing on the horse. That, I mean, that's it, dangerous. I can still see Steve Smith. It's already a 15-yard uh, penalty I, I in I a personal. the linebacker from Minnesota, yep. who's a very good linebacker, but he grabbed him there in a big game in Minnesota, late season, horse collar, and, man, Smith's just, that was it. Uh, I mean, you know, horse collars are, I mean, that, that's a terrible penalty, too. Uh, well, Len, I'm not sure what, how much you want. I mean, they already make it a 15-yard personal foul. I'm not sure what else you want to do. To, to eject them? You know what, Len? Take them off the field. Nah, I, you can't eject Game misconduct. That. Game misconduct penalty, John. Um, you know, you know what? I, I got a better solution on that one, Len. I, I don't okay. know that I disagree with you, but here's what I would like to be able to do. I would like to be able to review the horse collar penalty because the horse collar is very obvious. You know right up here on the shoulder. If a guy's grabbing somebody by the horse collar and dragging them down, it to me it's very obvious on replay. You can see it. And too many times there is a questionable horse collar penalty or non-penalty that doesn't get called correctly on the field. I would actually like the horse collar penalty to be reviewable and and then I'll take it to your point. If it's proven to be true, if you want to eject a guy, make it an ejectable foul, but you got to make it reviewable for me. Well, I think eventually you're going to see that. Re- maybe not. Maybe that too, but I think you're eventually going to see the helmet-to-helmet stuff reviewable like they have it in college. Too. And that, that would, absolutely yeah, should yeah, be. Yeah, absolutely. Good point. Yeah. Good point. Like Rivers yeah, got helmet-to-helmet last hey, night. Hey, listen, so let, me, let me give you one more. Who in the heck put this NFL schedule together where you got a game on a Saturday night and a game on a Sunday afternoon in the same stadium not allowing the home team to put together the home team trappings on the field. Len, and now with the weather coming in this weekend, this I mean, this is ridiculous. Needless to say, um, the complaints from the Giants stadium crew were lodged with the league when the schedule came out, and I'll leave I it with that. I hope so. I hope so. I mean, not to be able to put either Jets or Giants on the end zone signage. I mean, that's part of the whole thing. You got, you know, you got to allow, you got to allow the home team to have their home team trappings on the field when you do that. Len. And now with the rain coming in, man, Sunday could be really could be a mess. Hey, listen, Thank a couple you, of keys for me on oh, Sunday. One on offense, one on defense. Taking the full five. I, I, I'm hoping, I'm hoping that I'm hoping the Giants design a few plays that are not on film around Sterling Shepard. Um, I, I, I think Shepard can be a real weapon this weekend, and I think we got to design some stuff that Tennessee. Of course, you know, there's not going to be much film. You know, Tennessee has no history. You know, that kind of thing. Um, I, I think we can put together some things. Uh, the other thing about uh, our offense against their defense, big weekend, big weekend. Of course, the next three weeks are big for Spencer Pulley. Um, you know, that nose tackle thing. You talked about the defensive end or the defensive tackle. He's a terrific player. Um, Casey. You know, we're going to have to pay attention to him, and then Pulley's going to have to handle that nose tackle. And I, I'll tell you, those are, those are not big star nose tackles on this, on, on this Tennessee team. But if if they get a push up the middle, it's going to be um, it's going to be tough for the Giants. Come on, Spencer, let's have a good game. Hey, listen, I don't have much else than that except to say, let's go, Giants. Let's win this game. Len, let's win Len, this game. Len, appreciate we appreciate it. the call. I have one thing to tell you before we hang up. You should spend more time worrying about the Giants getting into that end zone than what it looks like because <laughs> yeah. the Titans have a very good red zone defense. Thank you, Len. You take care, Len. Appreciate Bye-bye. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Titans, Thank by the way, second-best red zone defense, just not percentage in the league. Exactly. All right, so here are some numbers, folks, and we've talked about this. I'm not going to go. We're going a little late here, Dan. I'm sorry. I'm apologize to you ahead of time. Um, so we've talked. We've talked about, and Eli Manning and Pat Shermer have talked about the reason the Giants' offense has turned around, why it's changed, and the theory is that less shotgun, right? 
more fullback and two tight ends, more 21 and 12 personnel, better running the football and play action, right? You think I summarized that fairly well? Absolutely. Okay. Well, He's he, got the numbers to prove it. Here are some interesting numbers. Well, you know what's funny? I do, but it also tells you how it's not all about scheme and it's about execution too, okay? Well, here's some interesting stuff, okay? Um, let's start with the running game first, okay? So, running from under center. I have these stats split from weeks 1 through 8 and then from weeks 10 through 14 when everything kind of started turning around. I took the buy as a natural split point. Yeah, just absolutely. Just for these statistics, okay? So, in the first eight weeks, the Giants ran the ball from under center 89 times. So that's on average eight games, 11 times per game, right? Well, since then, in just five games, they run from under center 118 times. Dude, do the math. That comes out to over 20 rushes from under center per game, okay? Significantly more. But here's the trick, and this is why people say, well, then it's the Giants coaching staff for not doing it sooner. Why didn't you do it sooner? It would have been so easy. You just go and do it. Here's the trick. Paul, take a guess. How many yards per carry did the Giants average running? Well, let's start this first. In the last five weeks, how many yards per carry do you think the Giants average running from under center the last five weeks? Oh, it's probably close to seven. It's about, it's, it's a little under six. It's like 5.7, okay. okay? Really good number. Oh, yeah. 118 rushes, 658 yards, and four touchdowns. Okay. Really good. Well, in their 89 rushes from under center in the first eight weeks, they only rushed for 284 yards. That's just not good. That's barely over three yards per carry. Wow. And obviously, that's including some of Barkley's big long runs, mm-hmm. which obviously skews that number high. Mm-hmm. So it's not as... And, and by the way, here's the real kicker, which I don't think you'll believe. So you're just over three yards per carry from rushing under center, right? From shotgun, the first eight weeks of the year. 59 carries, 399 yards. It's almost six yards per carry from shotgun. Now, that's going to be skewed because you're doing shotgun runs in third and long, and you're going to get long runs that don't go for a first down, and those will skew the numbers. But the point I'm trying to make, and then you can make yours, is that, yes, the Giants are doing better because they're running more from under center. But they're only able to run more from under center because they're running better from under center. So it's the fact that they're running the ball better and the players are executing better that allows them to play that way. So there's a cause and effect here. Pat Shermer could have kept saying, run under center, run under center. They're going to be third and 10 all the time, okay? That wouldn't have worked. But the fact that they're blocking better in the run game has, and Barkley, by the way, is running better in the run game because he's more decisive. That's why they're able to play this way. And here's another stat to show why the offensive line is playing better. And I didn't give this one to you. This is a new one for you. I okay. got it today. Okay. Yards before contact. Oh, for that's Saquon a good one. Barkley. That's a good one. First eight games of the year. Yeah. 1.5 per carry. Doesn't surprise me at all. After, 2.5 yards per carry. It goes up by a full yard. And that can be a huge difference. Uh-huh. So, And it shows how the offensive line, and I think Barkley too, is running the ball better behind, better blocking. And that's why they're able to run the way they're running now. Well, now make your point. Think about what Barkley can do in that one yard in terms of acceleration yep. or stopping on a dime and cutting yep. it back. Correct. I mean, that one yard makes a huge difference for him. But what I was going to say is the numbers that you don't even have, and, and Don went to some research people to get this, and I, and I appreciate their effort. What they didn't give you would even enhance the point that you just made. 
and that would be number of negative or no gain plays. Did oh, they give that to you? I have it. They did give that to I you. I found it. Hold on. Okay. So the Giants, I can tell you. Because I put you, this in my you just said that the numbers were skewed, right? Well, take the number of negative or no gain plays. That doesn't skew anything. So that tells go. you flat out negative. successful or not successful now, plays. Give, give Lance Meadow credit for this because he tracks us every week. All right? Week one. This is all number of runs for no gain or negative yards. Yep. Seven versus the Jaguars. Five versus the Cowboys. Six versus the Texans. Three versus the Saints. Seven versus the Panthers. Two versus the Eagles. Only because they didn't run the ball against the Eagles. <laughs> They're getting blown out. Right. Seven against the Falcons. Four against the Redskins. The last five games, four, four, two, six, and five. So you're looking at one full one less per game and only one game with six or more. While there were four games with six or more runs of no gain or negative yards. Keep in mind, that's with the volume of carries being a lot different. Mm -hmm. So you're running the ball a lot more and having fewer negative runs. So the ratio and the percentage is actually a lot better than what the raw numbers tell you. And on top of that, the Giants are also throwing the ball less because of this, and they're giving up fewer sacks in terms of ratio of sacks, which are also negative plays. And here's another one for you, which I thought was interesting. Now, we know they're running play action more, right? Play action from under center specifically. That's what I'll focus on for this. 34 dropbacks in play action under center in the first eight games. That's about four per game. They're averaging eight per game in the last five games, 43 in five games. Now, here's the kicker. The Giants in the last five games on their 43 play-action dropbacks from under center, 27 of 39, 380 yards, five touchdowns, no interceptions, 140 quarterback rating. Here's the kicker. The first eight games, Paul, 19 of 32, 260 yards, One touchdown and only a 96 quarterback rating. So it's not just that they're doing more play action. Play action has been much more effective in their play action from under center in the last five games. Just goes back again to the success and the execution. So part of this is coaching, no doubt about it. And I'll go into the personnel groups in a second. Eli Manning. And part of it, though, is just the, the players playing better. And here's one other thing for you. <laughs> Personnel-wise, I'll give this to you too, but this is another number they gave me which I thought was good, and I'll close the show. Weeks 1 through 8, the Giants were in 21 personnel, which is a fullback and one tight end with Barkley, or halfback, 10 times. So that's once per game, or 1.2 per game, okay? They do it four times per game the last five games. 12 personnel. They were in 12 personnel... The first eight weeks, on average, six times per game. Since then, 11. So they're in the fullback and 11 and 12 personnel, rather, much, much more. And they're a lot more successful, again, as the players are executing better. And Barkley says he prefers that formation. Correct. And I think the offensive line probably does, too. So that's the trick here, folks. The changes the coaches have made have helped. But I think it also has to do with, A, you're getting some changes in personnel. You've had Pulley and Jamon Brown and Wheeler all next to each other for all five games, something that didn't happen in all the first eight games. I think Brown is playing better than what they were getting out of Omame or John Greco in that spot, number two. Give him credit for that. Um, The personnel changes. You're getting the two tight ends on the field more, and frankly, 
I don't want to throw darts at him, but Evan Ingram was hurt for a lot too. So you've gotten a lot more Red Ellison and Scott mm -hmm. Simonson because mm -hmm. Ingram wasn't on the field. That helps your run blocking a little bit. Barkley's running the ball, I think, in a more pro-style way the last five games than he did the first eight. And the players are playing better that are on the field. Nate Solder has played better the last five games. Will Hernandez is playing better. Eli Manning is playing better. So put all that together, and that's how you get to the Giants mm -hmm. averaging 30 points per game over the last five, along with, as you mentioned earlier in the show, the three defensive touchdowns and the takeaways putting them in better position to score. So that's what I got for you. I got one more small nugget to add before you say Please, goodbye, go folks. Ahead. It's Toys for Tots Day on Sunday. Yes. Okay, the Giants are playing the Tennessee Titans for a 1 o'clock kickoff. I made the pitch to you guys yesterday. It's my last chance to do it, and I'm sorry if I sound like a broken record, but to me, putting a smile on a young child's face at the holidays is the most important thing that anybody could do. So if you're fortunate enough that you have a ticket to come to the game, see if you can't scrounge up something that you could bring to Toys for Tots, a coloring book, um, uh, 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 a check, chess, chess or checker set, whatever it might be. Anything. Anything that you can bring to the Marines who will be uh, taking the Toys for Tots donations at the ticket gates as you enter the stadium. They will distribute them throughout the metropolitan area to all of the, the needy children who really would appreciate the fact that they will have something to unwrap for the holidays. It means the world to them. It's a charity that's very close to my heart. I've been giving Toys for Tots ever since the Giants started it many decades ago, and I never miss it. And I'd, I'd like you folks to see what you could do uh, about helping them out as well. I've actually heard there have been a lot of requests this year for Super Toe. So if you have any unwrapped Super Toes... Mine is broken. I can't bring it well, for them. I didn't them. tell you to bring it. Maybe someone else has an unwrapped... Does it still exist? Or a wrapped... And by the way, they, they, they prefer gifts that the uh, toys that are still wrapped, by the way. If so, possible. Yes. yes, for sure. So... That's it. I posted a picture of it for you. I uh, see. Mine, my, yeah. my, mine wasn't blue. It was white because it was the older version. That was the second version. Shocking that Paul had the older version of the toy. I think yes. that's really the yes. surprise there. And, and by the way, Super Toe was a straight-on kicker because back in the 70s, <laughs> they were all straight-on kickers. Are you breaking They weren't down, soccer style. Are you breaking down Super Toe's kicking technique? Is see, that what, what you had here? to do, just so you know, uh, John, in case uh, you want to buy it, you had to do the spinner. And it would tell you how far your kick had to be. And there was this long tape measure that had 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 on it. And you put the goal posts up, the plastic goal posts, with the long tape measure. You spin it, and it's like, oh, 40-yard kick? Okay, so then you set super toe up to the 40 on the tape measure and hit him in the head, and the ball would go through. It was fun. Goodbye. That's all the time we have for Big Blue Kickoff Live right here on Giants.com. <laughs> <laughs> You're funny. Uh, Pre-game show on Sunday on WFAN, uh, 11.30. Myself, Dettino, Lance, and Fiegels. If you're at the game or at the stadium, head down to the MetLife gate. We'll be at MetLife Central, and you can uh, check us out there doing the show live before the game. If it's raining, we'll be out there too. Trust me, it doesn't make, it, make a difference. We'll be out there. So come by, say hello, and, of course, the post-game on FAN as well afterwards. And Big Blue Kickoff Live will be back next week as we recap the game on Giants.com at 1.30. For Paul Dottino, I'm John Schmoke. Enjoy your holiday weekend. Again, Toys for Tots on Sunday. Bring your unwrapped toys and or bring your wrapped toys, I'm sorry, and bring them to the Marines at the gates and make sure you send that donation to help somebody that maybe is not as well off as you are during this holiday season. We'll see you then, everybody. Adios.